He will set you free from your addictions and your problems and your rejection and your hurt and your fear. So you've got a choice to make today. Are you going to go back to the drink or are you going to turn to Christ? And for your whole life, it's still been an issue. It's still been a problem in your life. And you keep trying to medicate yourself on the alcohol and the weed and the heroin and the crack. And you find yourself it as a temporary satisfaction. And after that, how does it make you feel? Everything I built up again, lost. So I phoned Team Challenge again. I thought, I can't do this no more. I just I can't do it on, on my own understanding. Um, I had me back in there within a week. This was last September. I'm still there now. When I arrived at Team Challenge, I was 10 stone 7. I'm now 14 stone. Um, I was wasting away. There was nothing left for me. And, you know, we, we get a choice. We get a choice um, whether we accept God into our life, our life or not. And Deuteronomy 30.19 says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. His door is always open, but it's our door that's shut. We just have to receive him into our lives. We have the choice. Bless you, brother. Thank you, Sam. And uh, Michael's part of, you're the outreach coordinator with 14 Challenge London. Yep. And uh, so blessed to have you here. It's not the first time we've met. No, that's we right. We were seeing God do miracles on the streets of Norwich in the summer, weren't we? And, yeah. And uh, it was just Amazing awesome. time. Amazing time. It was awesome, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, here with Sam, Sam Mooney, who you hear from in just a few moments, who is centre director. Is that, what's the, all oh, right, centre manager for... Teen Challenge London, based here in Drayton. Mm. Um, but big welcome to you who just come in. So my name is Sam, I'm the pastor here, and welcome to One Church. Without further ado, over to you, Michael. Lovely, thank All you. All right, go for it. Yeah, so it's just such a blessing to be with you guys today. Is that okay down there? It's not too loud or anything like that, is it? No? Okay, brilliant. I've, got, I've actually drove over from London this morning, you know, through, through the ice and through, through the fog, you know, and I've come across a fine city, you know, and it's just, I'm really excited to be here, and uh, you're, you're probably aware why, but I'm going to let Sam, when he comes up, share a bit more. So, as Pastor Sam mentioned a minute ago, uh, my name is Michael, and I'm the Outreach Coordinator for Teen Challenge London. And basically that means that I just, I head up all the outreach and evangelism within Teen Challenge London. I'm with Sam uh, Mooney today, who's, a, who's our new centre manager, and he's going to be coming up and sharing a bit more with you in a minute. But as I say, we're from Teen Challenge London. So throughout the UK, we've got six, Teen Challenge has got six centres. Uh, we've also got a women's centre. So we cater for both men and women. You know, and as we go through the presentation, if you hear me mention the programme, what I'm referring to is the 18-month course in which uh, men and women go through when they come onto the Teen Challenge programme. And the centre is the rehabilitation centre in which they reside in them 18 months. So who's heard of Teen Challenge before? So quite a, quite a number of you. Yeah, so Teen Challenge started in 1958. It was started by a man called Pastor David Wilkerson. And he was just in a time of prayer one day. And he felt to, he felt to pick up this Time magazine, which was right next to him. And as he's flicking through the pages... He comes across this picture, and it's, this, in this picture, it was about five young boys that are on trial for murdering another young boy. Something about this picture just really captured David Wilkerson. It was the look in these young boys' eyes. 
you know, and he just so stirred by this picture, he felt, I've got to go and speak to these young men. Pastor David Wilkerson was so stirred that he just went. He travelled all, all the way from his home in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, to New York, just to try and speak to these young men. Of course, he gets to New York, and these young men are on trial for murder. So he tries to get in the courtroom, and of course, he gets thrown out. You know, these young men are on trial for murder. And as he's coming out of the courtroom, all these journalists are standing out in front, out the front, and they say, called out to him and they say, Pastor, are you ashamed of what you believe? And he said, no, of course not. He said, well, hold your Bible up so everyone can see it then. And he did just that. He held his Bible up, and they all took a photo of him. So he's walked out of this courtroom thinking he's brought shame upon himself, shame upon his family. He's just been thrown out, thrown out of a courtroom. You know, but little did he know that this was going to be the gateway that he needed to speak to those that he needed to speak to. You know, because he was just walking, he began walking around the streets of New York. And at this time, the streets were just uh, riddled with teenage gang crime and just rife with serious drug abuse, drug abuse and seriously violent. And as he's walking around, these young gang boys are calling out to him. They're saying, look, that's the pastor that got thrown out of court. The police don't like him either. And this just opened, opened up the conversation. And he began speaking to these young, young men. And he also began preaching the love of Jesus on street corners. Just preaching the love of Jesus. And on one particular corner was a young gang leader by the name of Nicky Cruz. He was, the most, he was a leader of the most notorious and violent gang at the time, the Mau Mau's. He was brought up in a, in a home full of hate. He was seriously abused. A home full of the occult and terrible, terrible things were done to him. So he'd never known love before in his life. A home full of hate he was brought up in. And he called out to David Wilkerson. He said, preacher, if you don't stop preaching, I'm going to cut you into a thousand pieces. David Wilkerson turned back to him. And said, if you cut me into a thousand pieces, every piece will turn back to you and tell you that Jesus loves you. Nicky Cruz didn't know how to handle a response like that. He'd never known love before in his life. You know, and just for the next couple of weeks, this was just stirring within him. These words were just stirring around his soul. Because a couple of weeks later, what happened was David Wilkerson put on an event where he hired a hall. And he, put, he invited all, the, all these rival gang members. That's pretty crazy, right? All, all, these, all these rival gang members in one hall together. You're asking for trouble, aren't you? Eh? But this is what he done. And again, he, he began preaching the love of Jesus. And at the end, he gave, he gave a call for people to respond to that message. Like I'll be doing at the end of this service too. But he gave this message for people to come forward and to receive Jesus as their, as their saviour. And as he'd done this, Nicky Cruz came forward and he responded to that call. And he gave his life to Jesus in that moment. And because he went forward, his whole gang followed him. They, all, they laid down their weapons and they picked up their Bibles. Praise Jesus. But it was at this moment that David Wilkerson really recognised the 
it was fantastic and it was brilliant that these young men had had that encounter with Jesus and that their lives had been changed. But what needed to take place now was the process of discipleship. Even more so for these young men in, in the lifestyle that they had lived, you know. And this was where the first teen challenge was birthed in 1958 in Brooklyn, New York. As I speak to you today, Teen Challenge is in 125 countries and we have 1,400 centres globally. And I just want you to think on that for a moment. All the men and women that have gone through the Teen Challenge programme since 1958 and have been touched by the love of Jesus and their lives have been changed and transformed. And now think of the outward working effect of that to their family members which have been touched by the love of Jesus and their lives have been changed and transformed. And then the outward work and effect of that still to those in their communities which have been touched by the love of Jesus and their lives have been changed and transformed. Through one man's obedience, how many have received the love of Jesus and had their lives transformed? Wow. And when the guys come onto the program, in the 18 months that they're there, it's a very structured program. Okay? The, the, the word challenge is not in there for no reason because it is a challenge. And I'll have to just, I'll have to just let you know that this morning. Normally I say, that I'm sure they'll tell you, whoever I'm with, and they'll agree with me. But the only way we can describe it is it's a cross between a monastery and a military boot camp. You know, the guys are woken up at 7.15 in the morning. The first thing they have to do is they have to clean their rooms. Okay, they have to hoover the carpet. They have to clean their showers. They have to make their beds without a crease. Okay, and one of the, one, then one of the staff members will come round and uh, they run their fingers along the skirting boards just to check for dust. <laughs> Am I speaking to anyone here? Hey? But what this does is it, it, it instills structure and it instills routine. Because people coming from drug addicted backgrounds, they do what they want, when they want, how they want. And we're there to tell them, actually, you can't live life like that. And yes, there is, we have to challenge certain behaviours and attitudes, as you can probably tell that coming from that background as well. You know, but we all need this. Every one of us, it doesn't matter whether you come from a drug addicted background or not. We all need structure and we all need routine in our lives. If we don't, then our mind tends to go elsewhere and we, we become lost. But also, in, to, to go with the structure and routine, what the guys receive is 14 different uh, biblical teachings, such as love and accepting myself, growing through failure, temptations and attitudes. You know, the, the root cause of most addiction is rejection. So to know that you are loved and accepted by God, that is life transforming. Growing through failure, to know that when you make a mistake, it's not a failure. It's just a mistake you learn by it and you grow through it. This is the grace of God. And I think temptations and attitudes really speak for themselves. You know, it's, and I'm so excited to see how, how, the teen, how the Teen Challenge ministry has just grown. You know, Teen Challenge London itself, it was started in 95. 
but just a bus ministry that went out onto the streets of London and set up and just fed those that were homeless. In 1999, we got our residential, uh, residential centre in Ilford. And since then, it's just continued to grow and grow. As you'll hear more as we go throughout the presentation. But I'm excited as I invite Sam up now because the continuation of this ministry has just grown. And we've been praying for a long time. And I, maybe this is for someone today. Don't give up on prayers. Listen, when my family came for the first visit after eight weeks when I was going through the program, my granddad turned to me as he left and he said, Mike, I've been praying for you for many years and coming here today, I can honestly say that my prayers have been answered. And this is what we at Teen Challenge have been doing, is praying for a building because we want more guys to come onto the program and receive the freedom and love that is found in Jesus Christ. But before I get too excited, I'm going to ask Sam to come up and explain a bit more. Thank you, Michael. Good morning. Nice to see you. Some faces I remember uh, and some new faces. But thank you, Pastor Sam, for... Uh, the opportunity to come and to share about Teen Challenge. So I'm the centre manager, so probably the camp commandant, as Michael's just said, the cross between the military and the monastery. Uh, I don't know if that makes me a monk or a general, but it's one of the two. Uh, I've been, I've been in, my association with Teen Challenge has been first started back in 1986. Uh, back in Belfast, when I first came across the film. Anybody seen the film The Cross and the Switchblade? Yeah. If you haven't seen it, I'd encourage you to, to watch it. You can, sit, you, you can find it on YouTube. Uh, it's, it's worth a watch. Uh, and that was, uh, I was a lot younger then, had uh, a lot more hair in the right places. It's all gone south. Hilda, uh, you didn't recognize me this morning because you're going, where's it gone? It's gone here. Uh, <clears throat> and I have the job of running the center. I've been working for the last six months in London. Uh, as you can tell, I'm not from London. Uh, I'm from Belfast, but God spoke to myself and my wife very clearly in 1996 to move to Norwich. And we've moved to Norwich in 1996, and, and we were here until 2002. And uh, we actually lived in Drayton Hall for those years. Uh, and then we moved away. I was an Elam minister at other parts of the country, but I was... I came out, Sam. Uh, <laughs> and we moved back to Norwich in uh, 2019. And one morning, and I'm telling you this to encourage you, if you've been praying, believing for something, and if God has given you a dream or a vision, keep hold of it. Amen. Keep hold of it. I woke up one morning and I said to my wife, I've had this strange dream, but God's going to give us Drayton Hall. And she looked at me. And said, you're nuts. We'd just been married 24 years. It just took her that long to work that one out by then. I said, I'm going to get in touch with the owner. So we knew the owner. I tried to get a meeting with him. Nothing happened. At the same time as I'm doing that, the project leader from London was looking for a new building for, Drayton Hall, or, or for Teen Challenge London to relocate to. And through a series of events, myself and the the project leader got together from London and we just went through a process of trying to talk to the owner about the building. 
Well, I'm happy to say that through a series of events on the 1st of December this year, we signed for the freehold of Drayton Hall, and we own it. Where did you get the money from? We didn't. One of my heroes is a man called Hudson Taylor. And he said this, he said, God's work done God's way will never lack God's supply. We took a building uh, that's valued at 10 and a half million and we got it for zero pounds. Because God's work done God's way never lacks God's supply. You've got a dream in your heart. God has spoke to you about something. Can I encourage you to hold on to it? You know, Habakkuk said, Mike, I'm not preaching, honestly. I'm just getting excited. Habakkuk said that even if the fig tree doesn't blossom, if there's no grapes on the vine, what did he say? He says, but yet will I rejoice in God. I'm going to still continue to believe even when it doesn't look like it's possible. And that's what we've done. And we've just seen this miracle of this building being provided to us. And for the last eight weeks, we've had... Uh, I feel like I've been like Nick Knowles and, uh, you know, the renovation. We've had builders in, we've had plumbers in, we've got it all ready. The, the place is kitted out and tomorrow at one o'clock, my bunch of merry men from London are jumping in the minibus and we're going to welcome 12 men to start with on our program up in Drayton Hall. And that's a, that's a miracle in itself. The plans for the next year is that we're going to have 20 guys uh, join us on the program and then next year we're going to go from 20 to 30 uh, and so we're going to be one of the largest if not the largest in the the, the UK for uh, men's rehab center now teen challenge itself can be a little bit because you think oh it's just all teenagers well as the ministries evolved we have guys in our youngest on the program I think at the minute is 24 and in my time there, the oldest has been 63. So we're dealing with men in addiction from all walks of life. Uh, so Blue-collar workers. These aren't all guys that we just picked up off the streets. You know, we've got guys going right across the spectrum. But the one thing that encourages me is you see... Through those 14 teachings that Michael was talking about, you start to see the lights come on. You, see, you start to see the life of Jesus actually start to be outworked in our staff. And, and you see that the lights come on and these guys are like, oh, this is where it is. Seeing families restored. Michael will tell you his own story. Seeing relationships that were broken through addiction and, and the enemy getting in where Jesus at the center now is making a difference. So I, for me... When we moved back here in 2019, I said to my wife, I got unfinished business in Norwich, and that's why we moved back. And just seeing the whole plan of God unfold. So this morning, maybe you, you, you hope you're feeling encouraged. You know, maybe you've got a dream in your heart. God spoke to you. Hold on to it. Hold on to it. It mightn't look like it at the minute, but it can come to pass in Jesus' name. Michael, I'm going to hand back to you. Thank you. Wow. I'm excited for what God's doing, especially in Norwich. God is really doing something in Norwich, you know, so just, just run with it, man. You know, Teen Challenge London, it's not just a rehabilitation centre. We have, we have different arms of the ministry. You have different, like, different parts of it, you know. We have Exit Foundation. And what they do is they work specifically with those that are caught up in gang crime and those that are caught up, teenagers that are caught up in crime. 
you know, and what, what they would do is they would go into prison, they would go into uh, wherever these young people are, in, uh, in the streets, and meet them in a place that is safe. And over a period of 16 weeks, they would mentor them out of that lifestyle and into education or into employment. They would put them in, in a place, uh, maybe a safe, uh, a safe house. Because a lot of the young people that they work with are caught up in this county lines problem, which we really have in London at the moment. And has anyone heard of county lines? Yeah, so it's basically these gang members, they will stand out often, they will stand outside at school gates in London. They would just groom these young children, basically because that's what they are, children often. They would groom them. And then they would send them from London out to neighbouring towns and cities and they would be made to sell drugs for them. Exit Foundation are at the forefront of tackling this problem with their methodology and just the way that they are, the way that they're doing things is amazing. And their work has actually been recognised by the London Mayor for the, for the great work they're doing. So please add Exit Foundation to your prayer list. They're a frontline ministry and they need your prayers. You know, again, teen, another part of Teen Challenge London is the reuse centre, okay? And what, what happens there is the, well, what happened there, obviously it won't so much now, but I'm sure we'll introduce something like this in the future in Norwich. It's in the afternoon you have the guys, that part of their programme is work-based. So what would happen is they, they went over to the reuse centre, which is a furniture store in the afternoons, and they would work over there. You know, and it made Teen Challenge more of a holistic ministry, you know, because whilst they were in the centre, they were getting built up physically, emotionally and spiritually. But when they went over to the reuse centre, they, they were building a good work ethic. Some of these men that come onto the programme have never worked before in their lives. You know, so what they do is they first thing, they would, they would grow through. They, they would first be cleaning fridges, putting, putting beds together, putting wardrobes together. You know, and as they grow through the programme, they're given more responsibility in all areas of the programme. But they would go out, they would learn things such as testing, uh, electrical testing, pat testing. And then when they're a bit further on, they would go out on the vans and, and deliver and collect the furniture too. You know, we actually deliver Jesus to people's front doors. You know, these guys that are going out, they're praying for people in their front living rooms. These guys are speak, going into, into Muslims' homes, into Hindus' homes, into people of no faith home, and they're sharing the gospel with them. They're sharing testimony of what Jesus has done in their lives. They're praying for people in their front living room. Where do you get that opportunity? It's, a, it's an amazing work that the reuse is doing. And also... Within this, we have the Centre for Excellence, which is the education part of Teen Challenge London. It's headed up by a lady called Pauline Anderson. And whilst the, the men are on the programme, you know, they can get, they can get some awards. They can, they, can, they can get that foot up into their futures. So this, in the Centre for Excellence, they can actually get uh, awards, which are MVQ and City and Guilds accredited awards. And this is in things such as English, maths, IT. You can do counselling when you're a bit further on in the programme. Money management, which is very important. You know, We've had guys go on to become paramedics, lawyers, solicitors, even to Bible college. 
Wherever the, wherever the guy wants to go, the individual wants to go, we will guide them in the last part of their program to what they want to go into. Give them that foot up into their futures to, to live the life that God has called them to. Praise Jesus. If it's okay, now I'm going to share about how, how Jesus has changed my life and where I've come from. Is that okay? Okay, do you want to to give us a wave at the back? Hallelujah, I can see you. Praise God. Yeah, so I'm originally from Hartford. And my problem started for me at a very young age. You know, at the age of five or six, my parents got a divorce. It was a very messy divorce. And there was a a lot of arguing on both sides. And this this argument only got worse and more violent when my dad met his new partner. So my dad's L Software, the guy that I was looking to as my leader and my example and guide in life, he was now elsewhere. And I, was, I felt lost. I felt rejected. I felt a sense of desperation and despair. And not knowing how to deal with these feelings at such a young age. At the age of 10 was the first time that I tried to commit suicide. That was my first day in hospital after that. At the age of 13, I got into uh, smoking drugs. I began smoking cannabis. You know, at first I enjoyed it, but that enjoyment, it quickly left. The real reason I was taking it was to cover up what was going on inside. You know, when the the drugs wasn't there, I'd always self-harm. I used to do this in, in, in various ways. I used to cut myself. I used to burn myself. I used to try and overdose. As I say, when the drugs wasn't there as a cover, the self-harming was, was uh, just a way that I felt I could release what I felt inside. But it didn't, it didn't help, it just made things worse. So my, my drug use grew. And it grew from into cocaine, ecstasy. Speed I got into in a big way. And I began to sell it. I sniffed so much that I lost my sense of smell. But thank God recently my, I've began to get that back. So thank God for healing. But at the age of 16, I'm out of control. My mum can't handle me or my behaviour anymore. So she's asked me to leave home. I'm now sleeping in bin sheds. I'm sleeping in shop fronts. You're sleeping anywhere. Sofa surfing. I'm sleeping in some garages which got burnt out. So I'm sleeping in burnt out garages. I was getting involved with people that I had no business getting involved with at that age. You know, it was at this time that I, I began taking Valium. I was taking at least uh, 30 blue 10 mil Valium a day, more if I could get my hands on them. I could literally take in so much that I couldn't speak. I just wanted to destroy myself. That's how, that's how I felt. And it was at this time as well that I began to smoke heroin, which began an 11, 11 year addiction. And it's, I just began smoking that heroin. And when it, it, it just felt like I found the answer when I smoked that heroin. It felt like someone had come up to me and put a warm blanket around me. You know, and in that place, I felt comforted. I felt protected. You know, nothing could harm me in that place. But it's such a lie for the enemy. Because the only real comfort and protector you'll get in this world is Jesus Christ. I began committing crimes to, to fund my habit. You know, I was, I was, I was shoplifting 
and I began burglaring. Really, that was, my, that was my main thing. I was doing houses during the day, and I was doing business and commercial premises at night. So as you can imagine, at this time, I was quite a busy boy. But this is all just to find this habit that I picked up. And soon the heroin, it wasn't enough. You know, I began injecting it. But not only injecting the heroin, I began injecting it with crack. We call it speedballing. In mixing the heroin and crack together and injecting. And this just took my mental state to new depths of despair. Through the years, I've been diagnosed with drug-induced schizophrenia, psychosis, paranoia, anxiety and depression. I've been sectioned for the amount of times that I tried to commit suicide. At the end of 2016, I'd run out of games to play and avenues to run down. And at this particular time, I was, I was drug dealing, which I'd always done on and off through the years. Got in a car, I sorted out what I needed to sort out, got out, sat in the car behind, it was a friend's mum. I can't even remember speaking to her because I was out of my mind on, on drugs. She later told me that she went home that evening and cried all night because of the state that I was in. She then rang my mum and gave her the number for Teen Challenge. If I hadn't have got that number, I had two or three months and I'd have been dead. That's the reality of where the addiction had taken me. But when I got into Teen Challenge, I struggled. I didn't necessarily struggle with the programme, you know, because I knew that I needed that structure and that routine. You know, I was used to it. I'd always worked and done different things. What I struggled with was Jesus. I thought, how could some geezer who lived 2,000 years ago do anything for me now? And I've since come to know that he can do quite a bit if you let him. You know, but I was, I, so I just didn't want to hear about this Jesus. Christians, to me, were all weirdos. They're all these, these, these people who, who wore socks and sandals and Ned Flanders and stood on street corners shouting at people. That was my view of Christianity. So I didn't want to hear about Jesus. I didn't want to hear about God. You know, I was running out of chapel classes. I was running out of chapel. I was running out of classes. I just didn't want to hear about it. So one day I had all my bags packed and I was going to leave. And normally they say to you, once, you've, once you've, your bag's packed, you've made your decision. You've now got to go. But for some reason the staff member on duty, he let me have a phone call. And I've rang me dad and I said, listen, I'm, I'm leaving. I can't handle this talk of Jesus anymore. I can't, you know, I'm leaving. I'm going to come back out. I'm going to go back to work and do what I was doing before, whatever. He said, Mike, there's nothing out here for you. You just got to embrace it. He wasn't a Christian. So I went back to my room and I won't, I won't use the language that I used then, but I was basically saying, thinking, this is it. I'm done. And I sat on that floor and I was thinking, on one hand, I, I can go out to what I was doing before in death. On the other hand, I can try and take things at my own pace. And this happened over a period of, of two weeks. I sat there and I opened the Bible they give you when, when you first come in. And the first book I read was the book of James. It's uh, an interesting read. But the first line of it, it says, Consider it pure joy when faced with trials of all kinds. I thought, what's this geezer talking about? How can you have joy when you're going through something that's painful? 
It didn't make any sense to me, but it made me smile. And I carried on reading. And down in verse 12, it says, Blessed are those who persevere under trial, because having withstood the test, that person will receive the crown of life to those who love him. I didn't love him at that point, but I certainly had a trial in front of me of overcoming my addiction and getting through the Teen Challenge program. And it was this time that I really looked around at people differently and thinking, you know, these men were just as broken and just as much of a mess that I was in when I come in. And now they're walking around looking healthy. They're looking happy. There might be something to this Jesus fellow after all. And it was then that I felt the love of God for the first time. I felt this acceptance which I'd never known before. I felt this peace. And for someone that suffered with a lot of mental health problems, I can't explain. And I've got this joy which, which has never left. In the 18 months I was in that, in that Teen Challenge program, Jesus set me free from my addictions. He healed me of all my mental health problems. I suffer with none. He healed me of hepatitis C, which I picked up through injecting. And he restored all relationships that I had with my family. And I thank God because two months before the end of my program, after a very short battle with cancer, my dad passed away. I never had a relationship with him. But God allowed me to sit down with him and forgive him for the things of the past and he forgave me. And we had that moment together before he passed away. I didn't run to the local drug dealer. I didn't run to the local off-license to get a beer. I ran to Jesus and I rested in his grace because his grace is sufficient for me in all of my needs. And today I say that to you, that Jesus' grace is sufficient for you in all of your needs. Since that time... I've gone to South Africa three times and spoke in prisons in the townships. I've been to Ireland on missions. I've been to Amsterdam. I speak out on the streets of London, going out on the outreach. I've, I went to, I've just recently graduated from a, a course that I was doing at Regents, which is Elam's Bible College. The man who used to run from Jesus now runs two people to share Jesus with them. I'm the outreach coordinator of Teen Challenge London and also as a support worker. You know, when, you, when I had a flat, you couldn't see the floor for the amount of needles that are on the floor. And now I'm one of the men that goes around checking these guys' room for dust. This is the difference that Jesus can make in someone's life if you allow him. You know, it said, the Bible says that a cross is foolishness to those who don't believe. But to us who are saved... It is a power of God unto salvation. How much truth is in them in that statement? I thought the cross was foolishness. I thought people were fooling themselves until I had an encounter with Jesus Christ and I understood the power and life that is found in him. Hallelujah. And I think if we could now, I'm just going to share a, a very short uh, two-minute video about our outreach project that we have running it's taken from an outreach that we did over in West London. And because at the core of Teen Challenge, we are an evangelistic ministry. It's in our DNA. And it is an important part of our ministry, or the, the Lord's ministry, I should say. So I'm going to share this, and I'm going to share a bit more on the other side of it. Thank you, guys. He will set you free from your addictions, and your problems, and your rejection, and your hurt 
and your fear. So you've got a choice to make today. Are you going to go back to the drink? Or are you going to turn to Christ? And for your whole life, it's still been an issue. It's still been a problem in your life. And you keep trying to medicate yourself on the alcohol. And the weed. And the heroin. And the crack. And you find yourself it as a temporary satisfaction. And after that, how does it make you feel? Everything I built up again, lost. So I phoned Team Challenge again. I thought, I can't do this no more. I just can't do it on my own understanding. Um, they had me back in there within a week. This was last September. I'm still there now. When I arrived at Team Challenge, I was 10 stone 7. I'm now 14 stone. Um, I was wasting away. There was nothing left of me. And, you know, we, we get the choice. We get the choice uh, whether we accept God into our life, our life or not. And Deuteronomy 13.19 says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. His door's always open, but it's our door that's shut. We just have to receive him into our lives. We have the choice. You just see a very short, short video of the project that we're running, the outreach project. But two of them guys, one, the first one that was speaking, he works within the Teen Challenge Ministry. He, he goes out, he's one of the guys that pray for these, these the people in their, in their homes. He works with a reuse centre. The second guy that you see speaking, his name's Grant, and he actually is on the programme at the moment. And he actually completes, I think it's the 1st of January or the 8th of January. So he'll be going on to graduate this year. Praise Jesus. But what you're seeing there, with this new outreach initiative, is we will be going into uh, a specific area or location for a period of 4 to 12 weeks. And in that time, we will just be going out daily. We will be going out sharing, first and foremost, the love of Jesus with people, those that we encounter. We'll be walking the streets and just meeting with those that are in need. Targeting specifically those that are caught up in drug addiction, alcoholism or those that are homeless. And over this period it allow us to build a relationship with these guys. So we can discern the level of help they need. If they need and want rehab then we can point them and get them into Teen Challenge. If, we, if they don't need or want rehab then we can signpost them to the local church or service or organisation in that area where they can get help in the community. Because what we, do, we always work with the local church in this, time, in this time. We will go into drop-in centres. We will walk the streets. We will you know, go into the places that no one else wants to go, into the rough and tough council estates, because this is how Teen Challenge started. Just going out into the dark places, you know, places that no one else wants to go, and just sharing... Uh, the love of Jesus, bringing that message of hope and light and love. Because we know the transformation that can take place in people's lives in that situation. 
And not only this, not only is it to, to meet with these people, but it's also a time of equipping the church and stirring the, the church's faith. We've actually got a guy who's come on the program at the moment through this outreach. Okay, he's on the program, and his sister was coming out with me on the, on the outreach too. We, we learned how to share testimony effectively. So she'd done that out on the streets, and she's now in the worship team of her church. So we're having a lasting impact in these areas that we go into. You know, and I'd just like to take this opportunity now just to ask in two ways in which you can support the ministry of Teen Challenge. The first way is through prayer. We're a frontline ministry and we need the prayers of the saints. You know, we need prayers of protection. We need prayers of guidance. We need prayers of providence. Do you know what? We just need prayers, man. So if you could add us to your, to your prayer list, we'd be forever and eternally grateful. The second way in which you can support the ministry of Teen Challenge is financially. And today, if you sign up to a direct debit of £5 or more, what you'll get is a free copy of The Cross and the Switchblade, the story of how Teen Challenge started. It's a fantastic read, and it opened my eyes to the things of God when I wasn't a Christian. It's an amazing book. So if, that's, if, if God is, is pointing you in any way, please, be, please, we'd be most grateful if you listen to that. Also, you can pick up one of these uh, magazines, which is, it tells a story and just makes mention of our, our new building, Drayton Hall. And on the front there, you can, if, if God is leading you in that way, you can donate to the, the building projects that are running there too. We've put in new showers, we've put in new facilities, beds, wardrobes, the, just, to, just the moving costs. So if you want to sew into that... Uh, God bless you. You know, please, please listen to that call. So if I could, I'd like to just share a very short message from the Word of God. Is that okay? I've, I haven't spoken you to sleep this morning, have I? Hey? No, praise God. Just myself. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I think what's, the, what's your, your running program, the... I have, I have got it here somewhere. The reason why Jesus came. There you go. The reason why Jesus came. And it's a question that has been asked, maybe subconsciously through the ages, through the times. We've all heard of the name of Jesus. And if you haven't, then I, you've, I don't know where you've been really, because he's one of the most prominent people in history. Whether you believe in his teachings or not, We've all been in school and, heard and, and sung them hymns. But he came to make a way. He came to make a way for those who were lost. For those that are, are broken. For those that are hurting. He came for those that are, are searching. Because we're all searching for, for something. We're searching for answers. The main one probably that we're searching for is, what's my purpose in life? What's the meaning of life? He came to fulfill the answers to them questions amongst so much more. Jesus himself, when he was sat down with these people, the rejects, the society, he 
who sat around eating around a table, eating a meal with them. And onlookers said, what are you sitting with these sinners for? What are you sitting with these guys? The most rejected and, and hated people of society, really. He said, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And today, I, just, I really want to speak about a new beginning. The new beginnings. I'm just going to speak out of Isaiah 43. Because I think it's important. It's, it's, we're here because of a new beginning that's happening. A new beginning in, in Norwich. And it's exciting over the period when I was, I was with Pastor Sam speaking in Norwich with Christ for Nations. I really felt a sense of God doing something new. Verse 19, it says, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. As I say, as we've made mention of, we've got a new building. But at Teen Challenge, we offer a new a new way. We offer a new life for these guys that are broken and that are lost. Whether they accept that, that's down to them. But we offer that to them. I almost rejected it. Jesus came to bring new life, to bring new, a new birth, to bring a new hope. And I... Just think on this time that we're coming into Christmas where we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And I just imagine the thoughts of the shepherds and the, the other visitors as they looked over at this new baby, this baby Jesus. Imagine the thoughts that were running through their mind as they peered at this new life that had just come. Many of thoughts probably running through their mind but I wonder if they ever thought of the impact that this baby would have on this earth. Not only for now, but for eternity. He would make the changes that made an eternal difference. And there's many, there's many words that I could share with you about what Jesus said about himself and why he came. But I've picked just a couple in John 6, verse 38, he says, For I have, come, I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus knew his purpose. He knew why he came. He knew the plan for his life. Maybe you're searching for that today. Maybe you're looking for purpose and meaning. It's found in him. I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. John 8 verse 42. Jesus knew the authority in which he carried to fulfill that divine plan and purpose upon his life. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world so that the blind may see. How I wish that the blind eyes would open to the, to the ways of Jesus Christ. And I pray today that, today that 
that if there is blind eyes in this place that, that your eyes have been opened, maybe your heart was darkened to something and it has become enlightened in a certain area. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. You haven't got to continue living the way that you're living when Jesus shines his light upon you. Today, if you're living in anxiety, Jesus can lead you into peace. If you're living a life of fear, Jesus can take you out from that place and bring you peace and fulfilment. If you're feeling lost in this place today, you can be found in him. He came to bring light. The thief, the devil, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and life abundantly. Jesus came to give life. Look at these pictures here. You can see before they received Jesus, you can see the death, you can see the brokenness. You can see the lost look in these, in, in these men and women's eyes. But then when they've received Jesus, you can see the light and hope in their eyes. Jesus came to bring life and life in abundance. But most importantly, he came to do the will of the Father. He came to be a ransom for many, to be made a sacrifice for the sin of many. Because it is the sin that divides us from our Heavenly Father. It's the sin that divides our relationship with Him to receive this eternal life which can be found in Him. Because the Bible says that all have fallen short of the glory of God. That's you, that's me, that's every man and woman that's ever lived. Every person has fallen short of the glory of God. Jesus says, I am the way the truth and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus came to make a way. He came to make a way for you to receive the fullness of him. To be brought back into right relationship with your Father, your Creator. To bring you life. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And today, if you come to him, if you come to him in repentance, which means to turn from the sin that you're living in and turn away from that and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, to know that he came to make a way for you, to understand the truth of that he went to the cross for you and for me. He went to the cross to bore the weight of our sin, the barrier between us and our Heavenly Father. And on that third day, he was resurrected in glory and power to the right hand of the Father, so that all we have to do is trust in him. Trust in him. We trust in so many different things in his life. I trusted in drugs to take away the pain that I was feeling. What are you relying on? Money. Are you relying on relationships? Relying on social media. All these things pass away. 
And I say today, receive forgiveness. And I ask you to, to respond to this message. Receive a new way, a new heart, a new life today. Because just as that people were staring, them shepherds came and saw that baby Jesus. And they uh, could afford the impact of that, of that one life. What's the impact that, that God can make in your life? What's the impact that God can use you for? Because that's why Jesus came, to impact this earth, to impact your life, to bring you back into right relationship with him. And today, I'd just like everyone just to close their eyes for a moment. And I, don't, I, just, I only say this just to make you feel comfortable. In a moment, I'm going to ask to raise your hand if you'd like to respond to this message of Jesus Christ and the eternal life that is found in him. But I want you to be aware that it's not the raising of your hand that saves you. It's the changing of your heart. Because Jesus wants your heart today. And if that's you in this place and you'd like to respond to this message and receive Jesus as your saviour, I'd just like you to raise your hand right now just so I can see you. Raise your hand right now. Hallelujah. And maybe you're in this place and you already know Jesus. But you've come, you've come away from him. But today is a day that he's calling you back to himself. To receive that fresh touch from him. Hallelujah. Father, I just pray for every person in this room. Lord, I pray that, that your eyes, that their eyes would be open to you today. That there would be fresh hope given. That there would be new life received. That there be a new birth within their hearts today. Lord Jesus, I pray for those that are suffering with anxiety. That you bring peace into their hearts and minds. I pray for those that may be suffering in some form of addiction. I pray that they would just, that addiction would be broken right now in Jesus' name. And I just ask, Lord, that you come into the hearts of all those here today and bless them. Bless your people, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.